culture lovers. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is part two of my interview with Alta Sigmundsdottir, an Icelandic author and journalist that has her thumb on the pulse of Icelandic society. While the two parts of the interview that I did with Alta can stand alone as individual episodes, I very much recommend listening to part one. Alda shares a lot of insightful information about Icelandic society and Icelandic people that is enlightening and sometimes quite surprising. During this episode, Alda talks extensively about Iceland's economic meltdown, scandals that people outside of the country might not be aware of, a place in Iceland that is close to her heart, and her favorite Icelandic word or phrase. I hope you enjoy listening to the second part of this interview. I release a new podcast episode every week, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss new releases. If you want to connect with Alta, I've inserted a link to her website and social media channels in the show notes, which are on my website, from foreigntofamiliar.com. After the interview, if the platform you're listening to this podcast on allows you to leave a review, please do so if you haven't already. Going back to talking about the meltdown, yeah. in your book, Living Inside the Meltdown, yeah. you interviewed Icelandic people about the economic crash in Iceland in 2008. Yeah. How did you go about choosing who you wanted to interview? Were there like specific perspectives you were looking for, people in certain positions? Yeah, there were actually. Um, so at this time I was writing the blog. And um, blogs, the great thing about blogs is that they're interactive. So people were commenting a lot and they were saying, you know, um, you know, obviously everyone was really interested and fascinated by what was happening. But they would also say, you know, okay, we're getting, like from our media, we're getting the economic situation, we're getting the political, we're getting the big picture, but what about people on the ground? Like, how is this affecting you? How is this affecting your neighbor? Absolutely. And, uh, and I realized that there were really no stories, you know, of people. And, and um, the thing was that it affected everyone differently, right. depending on where, you know, what your circumstances were when it happened. Um, it impacted you in a different way. So I wanted just to get a range of experiences. And um, this is actually the first book I wrote um, that was you know, published. Okay. And I, I just wrote it myself. I went out and interviewed these um, t- 10 different people. And, uh, and they were not all Icelandic, by the way. I had okay. two people who were um, foreigners, who were foreign workers here. Because okay. I was also really interested in how foreigners who lived here were experiencing this. Right. Because as we mentioned before, you know, there was a language barrier. And to really integrate into Icelandic society and to really understand the Icelanders and, you know, what goes on here, obviously you have to understand the language yes. and the discourse that goes on. And, um, and you know, these poor people, yeah. they were here and they were like, what is happening? Yeah. You know, like they just, they had no clue. And so I interviewed these two guys who were construction workers and they okay. had come here during the boom. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, there was like this you know, big boom, Riding quote high. unquote yeah, boom, <laughs> uh, that, that was, you know, going on beforehand. And, um, and a lot of people were coming just like today, mm-hmm. uh, foreigners who were coming in to work. And, um, and then of course they were like suddenly just laid off. And yeah. 
So that was, you know, what that was one story. And then um, there was the perspective of the policeman who had to, you know, stand uh, as part of the riot police mm-hmm. when the riots were going on. Got his story. Uh, a woman who worked at one of the banks who, you know, showed up for work one day and it's like, you know, the bank has collapsed. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. So they were, I mean, there were a lot of intense stories around that time. And um, so I, I just wanted to give a little bit of that perspective of, of how different everyone's story was. Yeah. And um, and I, I really enjoyed writing that book. I really enjoyed talking to all those people yeah. and I'm very grateful for them to, to them for sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. And was it hard to get people to cooperate? It was hard. Yeah, <laughs> I would only imagine. I mean, yeah. we're talking about it being insular. It's just like, That's you want me to tell you how it's going for me? Oh, absolutely not. Not just you, but yeah. the whole world. Like, yeah. you're going to publish right? this? True, you know, true. They, they might have told me, but <laughs> as soon as I said, I'm going to write this book. Yeah, you know? and it's like, don't use my name. Don't, like, you know, anonymous everything, basically. That's it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult to... Some people were quite willing, like, mm, okay. like the, the two foreign guys. You know, they had... No yeah. vested interest in you know keeping quiet, <laughs> right. but uh, but like finding someone who worked at the bank, for example, that was not easy. Yeah. Hopefully, in a way, it was cathartic for them to release this, even if it was very difficult, mm-hmm. knowing that it would be shared with yeah, everyone. Possibly, yeah. But I'm, I'm I was very grateful to them for, yeah. for taking the time, and and I think it's great that you took that initiative to do that, even though it's hard, it must be hard for you living here, seeing what's happening. Mm-hmm. And knowing that like your country's being viewed a certain way, or even like what's the future of the country? I mean, right. that's yeah, that was the thing yeah. is that you know when that happened, as I said, it was just such a shock, and you know no one knew what was going to happen. Like, are we going to run out of money? Like, yeah. because we had you had to have foreign currency to buy stuff, for, in, and in Iceland everything is imported. Right. And all of a sudden, our currency was just in free fall, and the the reserve that we had, or that the central bank had of foreign currency, was just cleaned out because they they tried to bail out one of the banks. It's a very long, complicated story. Yeah. But uh, in, and you know, so are we going to have gas for our cars? Oh, are we going to have medication? You know, are we going to have food? Because all the food's imported. Right. You know, and things started running out in the stores, and you know, we we started to have these apocalyptic visions, like, oh my god. And you're on an island in We're the middle on an of the island. North Atlantic, right? This <laughs> country is a pariah right, all of a sudden. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, we can we be self-sufficient? It was just, it was really, really scary. Right. But it was also a very fascinating time, especially yeah. in hindsight, because it also focused the Icelanders on what we do have here and mm-hmm. that we do have this abundance of natural resources. Right. And, you know... Technically speaking, we could be, you know, self-sufficient with many, many things. Mm, yeah. You know, we could grow things in greenhouses. You right. know, we should be using our energy for that and not powering, you know, alum- uh, aluminium plants. Yeah. It's a whole other story for another day, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> yes, we could go on. Yeah. But so in a way, it was almost like a, a reset button, even though it was like ripping the band-aid off. You know, it was well, just we like hoped that that was the thing. Yeah. Is that it was such a heady time, you know, and it was it was so full of promise in a way mm. because it was like pressing the reset button we you know we just felt like okay everything has now been leveled to the ground now we have a chance to rebuild a society like right. we want to do it a healthier society everything all the you know corruption all the bad stuff is being cleaned out right uh we have transparency now we can you know build up our institutions differently and unfortunately it didn't happen 
And that's the sad part, because okay. four years later, we had the same people in power. Right. I think that's the part that a lot of people, there's a lot of misinformation about Iceland yeah. and what changed after the crash, which mm -hmm. I find the most fascinating, because I was confused about it too, because I'm looking online, and then I'm eventually just talking to my partner and his family, and I was just like, oh. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's making it seem like Iceland is you know, who people should, who countries should look up to and yeah. change, and you know, it's just like, yeah. but like every society, there are some deeply embedded behaviors and being comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know, a certain life, even if it was devastating to you or mm -hmm. could be devastating to you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's very hard to change that quickly, isn't it? Well, this is it. And, you know, Icelandic society, um, you know, just the, the fact that people have managed to survive here. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at Icelandic history, yeah. Uh, which is what I wrote my next book about after... Uh, well, actually, it was my next book, but I did write a book about uh, the Icelanders in the old days, yeah. called The Little Book of the Icelanders in the Old Days. Yes. About, <laughs> it's just about survival here. And, um, and you know, people here were incredibly subjugated. I mean, this was a colony for 700 years. There was so much oppression, you just yeah. wouldn't believe it, you know. And it was not just the Danish who were our colonial, you know, overlords. Right. Uh, it was also the, the sort of top 5% of the Icelandic elite who mm. oppressed the, okay. you know, the 95% of the, the poor, you know, the common people. Right. And, uh, you know, it just, it was so far reaching into people's daily lives. And I, you know, I have this... Well, it's not just my theory, but I think it's just quite an obvious theory that, you know, you have an individual um, who experiences a trauma in childhood. Mm -hmm. And that trauma, unless you work through it in some sort of systematic way, it will stay with you right. and it will, you know, impact the way you behave as an adult. Right. And, uh, and the same is true for nations. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, na a nation is very much like an individual. So when you have a traumatic situation in your history then that will, you know, continue in your present day. And I think the Icelanders yeah. have not really worked through. I think in, in, in some ways yeah. they still have this mentality of being, you know, a colony, of being colonized, of being oppressed, yeah. of, a lot, of being subjugated, you know, by a very few powerful individuals. That's basically what caused the meltdown, yeah. you know. It's talked about that it was maybe 30 people, 30 individuals oh, that, managed, so that managed to create that situation yeah. for the entire nation. Yeah. And, and people, you know, the common people here, work, the, you know, the working class Absolutely. has not really recovered. Wow. And that must be kind of hard for you as an outsider seeing it and, you know, then coming and living in Iceland and, and living through that and being like, why is no one changing right it's just like yeah. do something it's almost like you want to shake them like please do something you have the power to change this but there are a lot of icelanders also who yeah. see it yeah okay you know? that's good but yeah. it's but not do they... but the majority yeah. votes for the independence right. party it's, you know it's also quite shocking to me because i i think i'm also in this bubble of people who are saying yeah it would be great to change and you know i'm not going to vote for this particular party because i don't believe that you know what they're doing is right or there's scandal or something mm -hmm. and yet this party still stays in power and i'm just like wait so i don't obviously know enough people a <laughs> or or there is still when they go to vote something is not clicking meaning like the change is not really there yeah. they can see that they would that they would like there to be change but maybe they don't believe that it's possible 
Uh, yeah. Well, or it's their past that yeah. just you know yeah. it's it's just coded into their psyche yeah. somehow. You know yeah. that they they should. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a complicated <laughs> thing, but it you know it gives me pause, yeah. and it, I think about it quite a lot. It's like why, you know, why do these people get away with this stuff? Right. You know. Well, in the U.S. I and mean, of course, I'm in the U.S. I know. So that's even now, especially it's extraordinarily hard. Yeah. Because I definitely don't understand. I'm so far removed, not only because I live in Iceland, but just value-wise from what's going on there. So I can, in some ways, parallel an, an understanding of being an outsider <laughs> from a place where you're from. Yeah. Because you know you can find people easily in the U.S. Maybe not as much in New York City, but in other in other states where it's just a, the current president who's Trump. I know. Yeah. Oof. But it seems to be happening all over. Yes. That's it's a, it's like a cancer spreading i know but you know i think there tends to be like a pendulum swing yes just in in his you know you yep. see throughout history and unfortunately i think that the pendulum is swinging in that way in yep. that direction at the moment yes. you know you see the rise of you know dictatorships mm-hmm. and you know very dangerous indivi- individuals coming yep. into power you see putin you see brexit right. you see yes trump uh, all of this yeah. and the eu in flux and yeah. And even, I, I've been watching whenever there were elections, and like in France, for instance, where they had this you know very extreme person running, and there was just, in my mind, I've never really thought about elections in France before. <laughs> and right. it was just like, I woke up that morning being like, please, when I look at BBC, please don't let it be that lady. <laughs> it was just yeah, like, was Le, Pen, Le Pen, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, we, I just need some good news today, right? Exactly. And thankfully, it was not. And it was, it was just not, like, yeah. this is like you're saying, where the world is shifting and it's so scary yeah. that this is what you're hoping for is the least, the lesser of the evils, essentially. Yeah, it's, exactly. All right. Mm, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. We might have hit on some topics already about uh, for the next question, but we'll see if there's anything else. What do you feel are some important topics being discussed in Iceland that people who live outside of the country or who don't, speak the language or don't understand the language would not be aware of well <laughs> where, so many things. where to start you know? <laughs> i mean uh i think as you said you know there's just so much misinformation about iceland or and or lack of information mm-hmm. about what goes on here and i mean we have daily scandals yeah. right and it's just <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I was blogging, I, I I wrote every day, and even that didn't even manage to cover. And I just finally, I, I absolutely grew exhausted. You know, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, you know, and I I would like to be able to talk about what goes on inside Iceland for people who yeah. I know are interested, because I know that people who follow me on social media, who yeah. subscribe to my newsletter, and so on, they're very interested in knowing more. Right. And they're not really able to get that information. Um, I'm just such a, a little person. Yeah. I can't, you know. Hey, but the little engine that could, right? I think it's, it's yeah. important. And you're doing an, a very necessary job, even though it's probably quite stressful sometimes. So, like, try to keep up and, and share all the time. Again, on your Instagram, for instance, you're sharing about places in Iceland or you're sharing about what's going on or how to respect nature. And I think yeah. people really appreciate and need these things. But yeah. at the same time, you're right. Like, it needs to be a collective so it doesn't feel like it falls on one individual. 
to yeah, me. exactly. And I mean, what I share these days is more sort of general yeah. information maybe about Iceland, which is also, I think, very interesting and all that. But I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the news, right. current events, yeah. basically. And um, is yeah, it's just too much for one person. <laughs> but anyway, um, back to your question. So things that are being discussed in Iceland society at the moment, well... I mean, overall, I think people don't really realize how, to what extent the Iceland population is subjugated mm-hmm. by a few powerful individuals here. So, you know, the top 5% or 2% uh, of Icelandic society uh, get away with, you know, incredible things. Uh, we mentioned the Independence Party, which mm-hmm. um, tends to be in power a lot. Yes. I think they've been in power almost the whole time since Iceland became a republic in wow. 1944, except for one period, which was after the meltdown. So they've always been in some sort of coalition. They always find their way back in. <laughs> Pardon? So they always find their way back in. Yeah, somehow. Yeah. And uh, But maybe it's not strange because they are funded by Iceland's version of big business, which is the quota, uh, fishing quota owners. Okay. Um, they are the people who are able to exploit this common resource, which is our the fish around the, the ocean. And they're given quotas uh, for how much they're allowed to fish. And like in Iceland, if you want to go out and fish, you can't just get a boat and go out and fish. Right, yeah. You have to, um, there's a fisheries management system, which is actually a good system and, and effective. And it sort of pr- protects the fish species in the sea. Right. But um, so they uh, figure out each year, they calculate how much, uh, how many tons of cod, how many tons of this fish and that fish you can ca- catch uh, sustainably. Yeah. And, uh, and those quotas are then allocated to certain people. And those certain people are, mm. are the people who fund the independence right. party. So they, uh, you know, they are incredibly wealthy. Right. Yeah. And uh, there was just a news item a couple of days ago. For example, now at this moment while we speak, um, midwives are fighting for... Yes, I've been hearing about this story. Yeah, so they're, they're, they've now gone on strike. They're resigning en masse um, because they're, uh, you know, they're trying to negotiate just better wages. They've just had, you know, horrible wages like most people in that sort of the healthcare industries, right. female industries mostly. And, um, and so they are now... Uh, striking and so forth and um, just last week there was a news item that the there was one this one woman who uh, is one of these quota owners mm-hmm. she paid herself dividends this mm-hmm. year uh, and the dividends she paid to, out to herself from her company <laughs> would uh, are equivalent to um, the annual salaries of 600 midwives what? Yeah, just the dividends that this one person gets. So that gives you, yeah, gives you an idea of the scale of the wealth that these people, and these are just very few, a handful of individuals here in Iceland who own all this wealth that is a common, you know, from our common resource. This is an ongoing topic of discussion. Um, As for uh, another sort of ongoing problem is the, the problem of the krona. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of a dud currency. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good currency for most of the population. Yeah, okay. um, we have very high interest rates. Our mortgages are indexed to inflation, so that when you buy a, a home in Iceland and you have a mortgage, the mortgage increase it goes up. You know, you pay and pay and pay right. off of your mortgage. Yeah. Uh, but if you have inflation in the country, 
then the mortgage will rise. So, for example, uh, we have a mortgage that we've now been, my husband and I have been paying uh, for 16 years, and it's quite a bit higher than the mortgage that we started with, wow, you know. So Counterintuitive, isn't it, right? <laughs> quite. And so these are some of the problems that uh, result from having a very small currency. Yeah. And so ideally, we need to change the currency, but the, the problem being that the currency serves well the quota owners. So all of these things, you know, hang together, right. are inter sort of connected. But I just want to mention one more topic that's really topical right now, okay. uh, just this week. Okay. And that is the acquisition of land by foreign, uh, wealthy foreigners. Mm. And, um, and so what we're seeing now, and I mean, we're having, there, there, there's news almost weekly of uh, some sort of foreign mogul coming in and buying up large parts of Iceland. Wow. Uh, Northeast Iceland is mm. almost exclusively now, or at least large parts of it, owned by a British businessman. Really? Yeah. Um, very often these are uh, land, this, or this is land that um, has either a like fishing river, salmon fishing rivers, which are uh, very lucrative mm. to rent out. It's very, very costs very much to come and fish for a day yeah. in one of these rivers. The other thing is that there is um, there are water uh, rights, so the, there's uh, water mm. sources, and yeah. and this is a very scary thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, when parts of Iceland are being sold abroad. And, you know, these people come in and they say, like this British businessman, I'm a nature conservationist, I want to, um, you know, make sure that I <laughs> preserve this land, blah, 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 for future generations. Yeah. Uh, he has just uh, sold rights to power plant harnessing no. one of the rivers. Yes, yes. So he just had to this, say, yeah, 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 so yeah. Was like, just say this and they'll buy it. Well, and quite. I mean, that's what, you know, investors wow. want to make money. Yeah. Um, so this is something that is um, very topical right now and people are um, waking up to, let's right. say. Okay. And, um, and the thing is that, yes, okay, let's say that this individual owns this land until he dies. What happens after that? Right. You know, is it going to be wind up in, um, you know, in, in a stock market somewhere, you know? We don't know. I mean, unspoiled land, land with fresh water is going to becoming more. It's going to become more and more valuable as right. time goes on. Absolutely, it already is for. I mean, just fresh air, everything. Like people are coming here on fresh air vacations. <laughs> it's oh like, my God. yeah, yeah. But I think because in some Asian countries where it's extremely polluted, right. coming to Iceland, it's like, wow, I can you know breathe well and it's good for my health and this is that and it's just like, wow, this is bizarre. But at the same time, you can understand if you live in a place where it's the fog is not fog, it's pollution. Yeah, yeah. exactly. With all the related health uh, yeah. complications. People living too close in proximity and governments letting people abuse, like companies usually abuse um, the land and causing or dumping what, dumping chemicals and things like that. So exactly. that is yeah. really sad. I did not know about that yeah. at all. No, I mean, most Icelanders didn't even know. I mean, we, yes, we sort of hear in passing, this man bought this land, blah, blah, blah. But now it's just becoming like a trend. We're seeing this just increasingly, almost, as I say, weekly or every month. And, uh, and the thing is about the Icelanders, they have the memory of a goldfish. You know, people <laughs> tend to forget. And then all of a sudden you sort of wake up and you realize, 
oh, like half of our land's been sold to Ooh, foreign concerns. I hope not. Yeah. But it's okay. So um, I think this is something, and, and our prime minister and the politicians are actually waking up to this. So hopefully when parliament reconvenes, this will be one of the first topics that they address. Yeah, I hope so too. They need to set some sort of law. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was really insightful for for me as a person living here and even with, you know, having a partner. I don't think there are enough people who are aware of this. So I'm glad to kind of get this out and I'm definitely going to share with my Icelandic friends too, just so they can yeah. feel like they're informed and have a voice when this discussion does come up or push it to help it come up. Yeah, good. Because, I mean, it's quite yeah, alarming. That and is very it, alarming. And people need to be informed and, and realize the implications Absolutely. of what happens. So let's move on to something a little lighter. Yes. And just out of curiosity, have you ever received a funny or strange reaction to any of your books? <laughs> Um, I can't really say. No, not really. Okay. Um, I was actually a little worried when I wrote the little book of the Icelanders. Okay. Uh, of how it would be, re- you know, how it would be received by the Icelanders, because I'm sort of poking fun at their mm-hmm. little quirks and things and the way they do things and all these little conventions and stuff. And um, and the but the, the good thing about the Icelanders is that they have a sense of humor and they don't take themselves very seriously. Right. And so people actually really like that book. <laughs> Even the Icelanders did. Great. So I was very pleased about that. Um, I think probably the weirdest thing that's happened was a guy calling me here at home at nine o'clock <laughs> in the morning on a Saturday morning okay. to ask me to come out and sign a copy of the book for him. Found your house. He called me, just like my home phone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I see. He, he, just... he, he, he rang. Yeah, he didn't come, come to the house. They okay. called. Okay. And, you know. That is uh, a little strange. But I did not do it. No, you're just like, um... <laughs> it's nine o'clock on Saturday yeah. morning. I'm still in bed. Exactly. Uh, you know. It's just like, this is not the most appropriate thing. <laughs> but that, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of strange, weird. bordering funny. Yeah. <laughs> bordering creepy. creepy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Many elements there. Yeah. Stay safe out there, though, people. <laughs> no, like, and don't do that, obviously. That's not... No. no. Okay. <laughs> and you've traveled quite a bit in Iceland. Yes. Do you have a favorite area or place that you enjoy visiting? Oh, you know, there are so many. Mm-hmm. There really are so many. And, you know, if when I go to a place, I tend to really fall in love with it and then I go to the next place and really fall in love with that and right. so it's really hard to choose one place but um, there are definitely parts of the West Fjords that I find amazing uh, especially the northern uh, West Fjords that have sort of fallen into um, abandoned uh, been abandoned mm, okay. and um, so they're, they're nature reserves um, I really like the Snæfellsnes Peninsula because mm-hmm. it's such a, a wide sort of diversity of landscapes there. There's so, so much to see. Yes. And so when people ask me, you know, what should I do, like a, a day trip from Reykjavik, mm-hmm. I tend to recommend the Snæfellsnes Peninsula. Absolutely. Even though it's a bit, you know, it's about a three-hour drive there and three-hour drive by. It's, 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 it's it. not close, no. but it's, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. It's a microcosm of Iceland. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it is. Um, and I, I, my favorite town here mm-hmm. is Seydisfjörður. I okay. absolutely love Seydisfjörður. Yes. 
uh, on the East Stewards. Mm-hmm. I've not been there, but I no, I need to go. discover the East. You know, that's yeah. that's the one part of the country I feel like I've not had the not given myself the opportunity to go to yet. So I went there for the first time four years ago. Okay. And I absolutely fell for this town. Nice. It's it's where the ferry comes in. Yep. Okay. So there's one ferry that sails to Iceland from abroad, and it comes in uh, once a week. And so there's like this international vibe mm. there, and there's a like sort of a bohemian artistic vibe. There's like a, a writer, uh, a, sorry, a visual art um, gallery uh, retreat uh, artists colony there. Okay. And they've just started like a college kind of for. Uh, arts nice. there um, I think it's so a lot of people have settled there from like foreigners mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's just it's a really nice vibe in the town and the setting is just absolutely yeah. stunning <laughs> so right at the end of this beautiful fjord with these nice. high mountains and lots of waterfalls awesome so I try to go there now every year okay it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> the pilgrimage east yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I stay for longer each time so. <laughs> This right, I might move there someday. Yeah. Never know. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> and do you have a favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Actually, when you sent me the questions, I had to think about that one. Because <laughs> there are a lot. There are a lot. Um, I've actually started to really appreciate Icelandic um, mm-hmm. since, especially since I wrote my book, the little book of Icelandic. <laughs> Uh, because there were so many things that I had said on a daily basis that I think most people say on a daily basis, idioms that they use right. or proverbs or sayings that actually have a very deep mm. meaning um, that sort of relate back to the Icelanders history or um, you know the, the things that are, I think, important to a nation are always reflected in their idioms mm. and their sort of proverbs. A lot of the Icelandic proverbs and idioms have to do with the sea, uh, which shows just how you know important and how catalytic and fatalistic the sea has been to yeah. this country. Um, but I think I'd have to say that <laughs> that is, I think, my favorite Icelandic phrase. Oh, yeah. And for people who don't know what it means, it's um, it means everything will work out in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And the Icelanders use it indiscriminately. Yes. Uh, you know, when they're feeling blue or when something <laughs> bad happens or, you know, when they're overdrawn on their bank account or whatever, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a comforting, you know, it's, it's what you said to comfort a friend right. who's gotten into some trouble. Um, and it's sort of like this laissez-faire kind of right. uh, approach to life and its problems that um, I think also sort of incorporates kind of a prof- profound philosophy. Yeah. It's like you, you just got to let go of it, you yeah. know. It, it is this land or this country, it lends itself to being up to... Uh, predictability like there's not much you can predict That's right it. so I think that makes a lot of sense that knowing the weather is like unpredictable and all these things so you just kind of take on like if you're not up for unpredictability you're kind of screwed right you That's can't be too it. rigid yeah. so it's just I lovely. think it sort of has grown and developed with the Icelandic people that yeah. phrase yeah. Uh, I one more word I want to mention yeah, which sure. I really like too is the word heimskur mm-hmm. uh, which is the Icelandic word for stupid <laughs> <laughs> And it's drawn from the word heima, which means home. Mm-hmm. So the, the stupid person is the person who has never left home. Mm, that's what's, wow. that's the meaning and behind that word. 
Yeah. Right? So it's exactly. just like you're not beyond yourself. That's it. You know, yeah. you're, you're sort of insular and you haven't sort of uh, expanded your horizons yeah. and, and seen new things and, yeah. and grown as a person. You're stupid. Yeah. You're ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to learn some, uh, some great Icelandic phrases, at least like the insult, it's like you're probably saying something very deep at the same time. Instead of saying like you're stupid, it's like, no, yeah, you're really just too involved in yourself. It's, just, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. And yeah. not to plug my book too much, but I do <laughs> I actually write about that a lot in the little book of Icelandic. Well, I do think that people should check out your books for sure. Not only for insight, but some wit, you know, some, oh, thank you. which thank is very you. much part of the Icelandic, um, culture but also just you as an individual you know, your personality comes through which is great mm, and you. you learn a lot which is amazing and you learn mm-hmm. such varying things with what you've written you know from mm-hmm. these very intense tough topics to kind of more lighthearted, poking fun at tourists and at Icelandic people so that everyone gets to be a part of the joke you know but yeah. also learn a little bit and maybe have some self-awareness hopefully mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> hopefully yeah. thank you thank yeah. you appreciate that okay. uh, you're quite active on social media as we kind of mentioned a little bit before and you've done many speaking engagements mm-hmm. so i'm just wondering i'm sure the audience is wondering as well uh, where can people interact or get in touch with you well i mean i'm on social media so i'm on facebook mm-hmm. i have a facebook page um i'm on twitter and i'm on instagram and I also um, send out a monthly newsletter. Okay. Okay. And uh, and in each newsletter, I try to write about some topic um, that is important to Iceland, like a, a current topic okay. of contention or whatever. Um, and in fact, I think in my this month's newsletter, I probably probably write about what we just finished talking okay. about, <laughs> about the, the the acquisition of land by foreigners. Okay. So you know, I tend to, to sort of pick things that are. Um, yeah, that I think my readers would want to know about. So people can sign up for that okay. on um, my fa- uh, on my webpage, okay. which is um, aldasigmunds.com. Yep, and I will link to your social media and your webpage excellent. in the show notes so people can find you. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and, and there's also a sign-up form actually on my Facebook page for okay. the newsletter. Great. Or people can email me yeah. and add them to the list. Just don't call her, 9 o'clock in the Do morning. Do not call me. <laughs> On a Saturday, yeah, or maybe right. just in general, but you know, exactly, like, yeah. But all those Better other ways. send an email, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting down and chat with me. I learned a lot. I thought I was, you know, in some sense more in touch than I am <laughs> about what's going on in Iceland. So this was incredibly enlightening, and I think for other people, they will not only enjoy it because it's entertaining, but extremely informing. So, thank you for sharing your knowledge and your lovely self. Oh, with us today. Oh, I'm on, so pleased. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Really nice. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Likewise.